0: Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast, brought to you in association with Titan Roofing for all your roofing needs in Dublin. Once again, I'm Mark Cockrell, a fan of the pleasantly surprising 2-1 New England Patriots. And I'm joined as always by my good friends, Gordon Bridgefield, an even happier fan of the 3-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. Good morning, morning. Mark. And Brian O'Leary, well less than happy fan of the O and three New York Giants. Only one one win away from first place in the NFC East though, Brian. Good morning, Mark. Yeah. A lot of changes in the
1: NFL with the exception of the Giants are still terribly poor. But we won't
0: we won't focus on that, will we? Well, I, I, I'll start with a quick question to you, Brian. I mean, now that the Browns, for the first time, I think since something ridiculous, like 2010 or something ridiculous, they are above 500. They are 2-1 and one as a record. Does MetLife Stadium feature as the new factory of sadness between the Jets and the Giants? Just as well. There's no fans in there at the moment for either
1: side because they would be getting heckled off the pitch each week. Oh, God. I don't know where, I don't know what to say after last weekend. I was actually a very uh, brash in my opinion that we were going to win last weekend, but unfortunately not to be, and we are showing the door very quickly by the San Francisco 49ers against a team that was missing 10 starters. So, and we're going to the Rams this week, who unfortunately came out the wrong side of a big game against the Bills, but we'll
0: be expecting the Rams to rebound and rebound heavily against the Giants this week. Absolutely. And look, I mean... You know, it's almost like what I want to say. At least you're not Eagles fans, who unbelievably uh, are half a game ahead of you, but probably even less pleased than Giants fans. So, a just a thing is, sorry, Mark, Just the thing is, Gordon was right at the start of the season. This
1: division is so bad. All it would have taken was a mediocre seven and nine to be in with a chance in December. <laughs> we're only one, we're only one game off first
0: place. How mad is Quite. that? I have to admit, I mean, the Rams, I think, are the only ever 7-9 and division winner uh, who, or the Saints, uh, sorry, the Seahawks were the only ever 7-9 division winner who beat the Rams to win, go 7-9, and then beat the Seahawks, uh, sorry, the Saints at home. But we could definitely be seeing it in the NFC East this weekend. And look, I mean, the Eagles, you know, muddled their way to a draw, but in many ways, Gordo, this weekend was the weekend of comebacks. Some immense comebacks that just fell short, and we'll come to the Rams and Bills game in a, in a second around that. And some other comebacks that came to fruition uh, yet again against the Atlanta Falcons.
2: Um, yeah, it was a, a, a great weekend. And again, no real news from the, the weekend of action, but some key takeaways, as you mentioned. And Nick Foles is back. Nick Foles, the great, uh, is back in the lineup. Trubisky, all it takes is a pick. He doesn't even have to lose the game to get, uh, to get benched. But... Uh, Nick Foles have been brought back from the Bears, who are 3-0, and which I never thought I'd be saying uh, at this stage of the season. Um, other areas, Carson Wentz is terrible. Uh, I, I don't think there's any other way of putting it. I think Carson Wentz is something needs to change there with the, the Eagles, and it's either the GM, the head coach, or the QB, and somebody's got to make a decision. But I think it's all on Wentz at the moment. Jimmy G isn't needed in the 49ers, because you've got Nick Mullins, who I was very high on last week, came out and had a great game. And the Lions got a win. The Lions got a win over the Cardinals, who we were very high on, Mark, all uh, season. And it was just a strange comeback win for them as well. So, yeah, it was a great weekend of action. But I think Nick Foles back in the Chicago Bears, does it do anything for them is the big question.
0: Yeah. two um, two Two and a half week game weeks it took for Nick Foles to take over Trubisky, which is probably two and a half weeks longer than I expected. But a 20-point fourth quarter meant they pipped the Falcons 30-26. And Dan Quinn... Has to be looking at his P45 pretty damn shortly, you'd imagine. But let's turn our attention to, as I said, alluded to, the comeback that, that fell short. Um, the Rams were being handled by the Bills at home. Um, first time, really, probably both sides have played a quality opponent. The Rams have played the Cowboys, but very poor performance in Cowboys in the opening week. And as we've alluded to, probably they aren't a quality opponent at this stage. 28-3 down, uh, again, Sorry, Falcons, that you might recognise that uh, scoreline from time to time. And the Rams powered their way back, pretty much driven by an amazing performance by Aaron Donald. Um, four turnovers of Josh Allen, who, you know, played a great game, but, you know, protection issues are still there. Leading 32-28, and then the Bills pull it out of the bag with their final drive.
2: Uh, it was a phenomenal game, as in, to be honest, Josh Allen, who... Um, we've been really high on all offseason. He's just showing the sort of quarterback that he can potentially be, and it's this is third season. This is generally when you know quarterbacks come into their own. But it was a great game by both teams, as you say. Aaron Donald was leading the charge for the Rams with four sacks, but it was a game-winning drive by Josh Allen pushing down the field, starting on his own twenty-meter line, twenty-yard line, and some amazing, amazing passes. He's got really, really good touch, touch passes. Cole Beasley came out of nowhere and led the receiving yards. Uh, with the wide receivers. Stefan Diggs only had four receptions, but again, four big ones. Um, but just generally, Josh Allen seems to be that sort of a quarterback that if they keep going the way they're going, they're really going to be contenders come the midway point of the season.
0: But taking that thing, Gould, on I'll throw it to Brian here, Brian, is it not the case with Josh Allen? It's a bit like Sergio Leone's famous masterpiece. Is it not a bit of the good, the bad, and indeed at times the ugly? I referred to him a couple of weeks back as to kind of the new big Ben he just won't give up on the play when the time
1: is right to get down on your hunkers or throw the ball away the tendency looks to just get that extra yard you know it's going away he'll win games but he's going to throw some other games away and to a certain extent what happened on Sunday shouldn't have happened 28-3 comfortable game Rams came powering back just on that last drive as much as he threw some great balls and there's a new key factor in that offense which is Gabriel Davis and um, uh, what the the rookie who Caught a touchdown last weekend. Looks really good. There was a horrendous uh, flag on the on the last in the last uh, few seconds in the red zone, where it looked like the Rams had held on, and then all of a sudden the flag comes out of nowhere for pass interference, which looked very controversial. Shall we say? You-
0: yeah, on fourth down, wasn't it as well, Brian?
1: It was. It was the last play. The Rams players were actually just about to kick off a bit of a celebration, and then they decided the flag, which came in very late, very late.
2: Yeah, but if I think if you look at the, the Bills in particular, like to be third and 22 at one stage on that final drive, and again, the pocket collapses, and he's got Aaron Donald chasing him down. And rather than panicking, he hit a brilliant pass to Cole Beasley right down the middle, who's literally sat in the middle between six uh, Rams defenders. So I think there's just some... There, there's a, a maturity level at the moment with Josh Allen. He does escape well, and he's so strong. And to be hit four times by Aaron Donald to keep going? Yeah, I think... There's something there with Josh Allen to be 3-0 at this point of the season. Great win. On that play,
1: on that particular play, I, I felt that the, if the Rams had expected them to take two two plays out of it in terms of they try go for it, throw out to the side, get out of bounds and then try to take the chance on a fourth down if they could pick up 10 yards, leaving a big split down the middle. And Beasley obviously explore, went into that area, got the fourth down, obviously they were able to um, spike the ball then. But yeah, I think the Rams just kind of left it a bit soft in the middle and and
0: just covered on the wings, but didn't work out that, didn't work out for him. Yeah, The last thing I'm going to say is it's remarkable, really. I mean, the Bills came into the season with a dominant defense and we expected them to ride their defense. Three weeks in, we're talking about Josh Allen, we're talking about kind of they go as Allen goes. And he's definitely a gunslinger. He's in the Roethlisberger or the Rodgers model, not necessarily Rogers' father, I'd say, model. He's going to air it out and try and keep a player alive. Um you know, so um, as he goes, maybe the Bills go. But no qualms so far. 3-0, and great start. They're, they're justifying their tag as favorites in the AFC East uh, and looking a strong contender in the AFC generally. So with that being said, guys, I mean, there were other games. And it was a great weekend, actually. I mean, there were very few real blowouts. We alluded to the Bears and Falcons game. Even the Titans and Vikings game was a really tight tussle. Titans pulling it out with a fourth-quarter comeback by Ryan Tannehill. Um, sending them to 3-0 and and the class of the AFC South and the Vikings to despair at 0-3 that we wouldn't have seen coming. I also don't really want to talk about the tie, praying that plainly because it feels like kissing your sister. It feels somewhat dirty in some respects um, to see the two teams can duke it out for 70 minutes and can't separate it. But, you know, as we alluded to, the Bengals and Eagles now both 0-2-1. Um, but Gordo, I mean... Uh, sorry, Brian. I mean, in terms of other games of this this weekend, because there were a lot we could talk about. Was there any other one that really stands out that you want to kind of dwell on? Well, I felt the
1: uh, the Packers and the Saints game being the Sunday night game was it was a really really good game, and we I think I think we all went for the Packers last week in terms of going in there. And um, Packers again on offense, we were all kind of discussing during the offseason season whether they could live up to the hype in terms of Rogers having all the players available to him because we we're concerned that only Adams was a stand-up wide receiver. But, but the guys are stepping up and one guy in particular that came out of that game was uh, Lizard. He was an undrafted uh, wide receiver. And we've seen in the past you don't necessarily have to be drafted to turn out to be a good player. But Rogers seems to like him. He's gone to him on a lot of, uh, kind of long balls and need a touchdown on Sunday. The one thing I noticed on the game on Sunday and it's it's not a factor of no fans in the stadium. Rogers on the hard count. He got to Saints' defence three times. And in the last particular drive, with three minutes to go on a tour down, he managed to get them to go offside. Those things don't tend to happen when there's a big crowd, in particular in the, in the Dome, in, in New Orleans. So whether, would, have that, would have that happened in the game? Certainly was an impact on the game because there was a number of drives where it looked like Rodgers were going to get off the field. Saints were going to get the, the pack off the field, but they didn't. But in saying that, 37 points, the pack had put up. We can't even recall what they put up last week. Forty odd, forty on the fourth week. They're really going in the right direction, and they have the Falcons
0: this week, so you'd expect it to be far No. Well, we've certainly seen that their defense can't handle very much at the moment. I mean, look, the Saints came out with an opening day victory against the um, the Bucks, and you thought, oh, big divisional game. That's a great start, and then they lost two on the bounce. And of course, they've had a tough start to the season. But how, you know, the takeaway I took from it was. Kamara is obviously still dangerous and was actually Breeze's main target for that game. I think he had something like 12 or 13 receptions um, out of the backfield. And the commentators, everyone's kind of referring quite extensively to Breeze and his lack of arm strength getting it downfield. Um, I mean, it still looks like he's got the zip on the seam throws, for example, but it is becoming the Saints' offense, still very dangerous, but it looks more and more like a dink and dunk offense. Um, Go yeah, it's
2: a, massive, it's a massive reliance on Alvin Kamara. And as you say, the, you know, you're dinking and dunks and your um, your throws to the sideline, and he's not going down long. I think without Michael Thomas as well, it's been very evident that he just doesn't have really confidence in anybody else. And Kamara is having to do everything. And there's only so long that can happen. Uh, I think on the, on the Packers side, Aaron Rodgers is playing phenomenally well. And he spoke up Lazard recently there last week on the Rich Eisen show. And talked about how good he is, him and Aaron Jones. And I think he just said it himself. He's now in a, a rhythm. He used the word rhythm about ten times in terms of the offense and the play calling where they are at the moment with the Packers. And he's just really comfortable. Um, so I think the Packers are definitely a dangerous opposition at the moment. But with Drew Brees, like there's just people are saying, do you call in a, a QB at this stage when you're as, as you know a future Hall of Famer like Drew Brees? But he is. He's struggling at the moment with the team, and he does look like he's not got the extra bit of zip in it.
1: I think the fact that everybody's discussing how Brees is playing at the moment and to a certain extent because of the levels he's had in the past, he's dropped off. Getting away from the fact that the Saints' defense in all three games has given up quite a few points. Last week against the Raiders who can be reasonably explosive. Okay, they gave up 34 and they 27 to the Packers and in week one, albeit they, Matt, they took care of the books, they still gave up quite a high point. It was 24-28. So the Saints' defense hasn't clicked yet. And it's, it's putting it's putting Braves and the offense under pressure. They still put 30 points up on, on Sunday, but yet they've come out with the, the wrong side of it. And then the Hill is uh, kind of the next uh, QB in waiting, as they say. Is a bit sporadic. He gave he he dropped the ball a couple of times on Sunday and he gave away a fumble when the Saints were joined potentially to go two scores up. So he hasn't you know he hasn't helped Breeze in the sense that he's come in so many times in the past and uh, helped the Saints defense offense out, but.
0: He doesn't seem to be doing much at the moment. Well, it's a great point about the defense. It used to always be the qualm about the Saints that the defense would let down Brees and Payton. And this season, they certainly haven't shown much. Um, Switching to other games very briefly. I mean, look, um, Steelers obviously handled the Texans 28-21 at home, sending Steelers to 3-0, as we alluded to, Gordo, and the Texans to 1-3. And that was a game where the strength of the Steelers' defense in comparison to the Saints is really supporting Big Ben and what the offense is trying to do there. Uh, a famous game as well with three Watt brothers on the field. Um, obviously not all at the same time, but at different stages. So um, exciting. And the, the Texans probably rank with the Vikings as one of the, the core disappointments of this season so far. But with, you mentioned, Brian, about defenses giving up, and I just want to touch on this game very briefly, but defense is giving up um, kind of swathes of real estate and points to people, and the offense having to try and bail them out. The biggest surprise for me this season through three weeks has probably been the weakness of the Seahawks defense. Now, again, they came out with a win. They beat the Cowboys 38-31 against another MVP performance, probably by Russell Wilson. He's certainly my favorite through three weeks. But it's 38-31, and the Seahawks defense didn't look in any way good against the Cowboys or against the Patriots last week or indeed in week one. I mean... Is it the end, uh, completely and finally, of the Legion of Doom? A Boom and you can put a stake in them? Well, when we were doing our season previews, and I think both myself and Mark
1: had suggested that we didn't believe that Seahawks would, would make the playoffs, but they probably will at this, albeit very early. The likelihood is they will because we'll have Russell Wilson and their offense is explosive. But we did touch on that they didn't do a lot to address the issues on defense, with the exception of maybe bringing in Adams from the Jets, which was very late in the offseason. But, yeah, they're they're putting Wilson in situations where he's having to win the game for them. And, you know, at some stage, you would think that that look could run out. In fairness, they played very well over the first three weeks, but they're giving up high into the 30s in most games. And in particular at home, albeit there's no 12th man. But when they go on the road, at some stage, that's going to come to an end.
2: Yeah, I don't know how much longer you can really rely on Russell Wilson to just keep throwing five touchdowns in a game. Um, and it is, it's just about the Seahawks can they outscore their defense and. Uh, as Brian said, that's that's only going to last so long. I don't think uh, we can get away from this game without touching on
1: the uh, Metcalf touchdown that wasn't uh, the one where he was. I think he was in a was it a loss from the from the Cowboys years ago. No, no, to... Leon Leon Lett, the Cowboys. Leonette, sorry, yeah, yeah. 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 So into the. T- I think he was getting ready to do it the celebration. Fair play to the uh, the rookie rugs when Cowboys came in and punched the ball out. But uh, just as well he scored that winning touchdown and redeemed <laughs> redeemed his mistake. But otherwise, uh, Carl would have had him,
0: you know, doing push-ups and a few spins around the pitch during the week. Well, what I, what I loved about it was that instantly he knew. Like, there was no kind of like, oh, no, I crossed the line. It was like instantly he knew. And apparently he went to the sideline and said, no, I'll do better. And Russ Wilson gave him the, the speech. And, yeah, he came out with a winning touchdown. But can you only imagine, like, the Seahawks get loud with the 12th man. And we're talking about the Philly fans and New York fans. Can you imagine the uh, – the abuse and the ire they would have thrown at him in that scenario if there had been fans in the stadium. I mean... Um, the makeup of Russell Wilson,
1: though, is not to, um, you know, try for... go try go and win the game. Because even on that last drive, where the majority of uh, quarterbacks and coaches between them would have agreed the best thing here is to run the clock and take a field goal to win the game. Or certainly put themselves in a position to win the game with a field goal. He goes, a minute left, doesn't matter. We'll,
0: we'll take the touchdown and we'll see can the Cowboys beat us, which they nearly did, in fairness. Yeah. Well, look, it was a weekend for the prestige games. Cowboys and Seahawks were one of the late game, later games on Sunday for us. The late, late game was the Packers and Saints on Sunday. And in Monday night, probably one of the better Monday night games um, in terms of scheduling that the ESPN have seen in the many years, uh, the two hot shots of the AFC, the Chiefs versus the Ravens. Um, and for any of our uh, uh, listeners who haven't caught the highlights of this game yet, I heartily recommend that if only to see all the tricks in Pat Mahomes or Patrick, as his mother insists that he be called to the announcers on Monday Night Football, uh, the Patrick Mahomes was pulling out underhand shovel passes, you know, running, throwing on the run at different directions, escapology in various different scenarios and um, you know, he proved why he's not only an M- a regular season MVP, but a Super Bowl MVP. And they handled the Ravens in fairness pretty comfortably. It never really felt in
2: doubt. Uh, this was one of those highlight games. When you watch it, you're just you're just enjoying every single clip. As in Patrick Mahomes, like you say, they were just putting out tricks and everything. And it was just insane to watch. And I do think the Chiefs now are getting to that stage where they are back to last season. They're super comfortable. They didn't give Lamar Jackson a chance. And Lamar Jackson came out and kind of said, the Chiefs are his kryptonite or the Baltimore Ravens kryptonite because he's 0-3 against them uh, as a starter. So it was just a really, really fun game to watch. Uh, myself and Brian had a nice banker on this one with Patrick Mahomes being an any-time touchdown scorer, which was the first score of the game. It was just an easy win. But yeah, just an enjoyable... Like you say, watch it. It's just an enjoyable game and enjoyable highlights. And I think the Chiefs are kind of starting to warm up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I picked the Ravens last week because I felt that uh, over the space of the two weeks, the Ravens' offense was... was- was the offense that took up, took up from last season where the Chiefs hadn't got going. But yeah, to Gordon's point, the Chiefs, they've arrived. You know, they realize this is the game, probably the game that could, you know, you could argue will be the decision maker on, on the number one seed come uh, the end of the season. But uh, yeah, to your point as well, Gordon, Jackson is 21-1 in the, in the NFL against, you know, in terms of his record, and they do one the defeat being the Browns last year. But he's 0-3 against the Chiefs. They just, he just hasn't got to the stage where he's in a position to beat the Chiefs and the Chiefs have certainly showed everybody in the league
0: that they are a number one team and there's definitely standout teams come back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, fantastic performance and actually I mean even, you know, there's there's just under 20% of the season um, completely, Jen, so I mean even if we look at the standings very quickly, it almost looks like equality in the AFC through four teams, one in each division at 3-0, and oh, um, swiftly followed by one team um, in most divisions at 2-1, and one, the Ravens and the Browns are at 2-1, and one, the FC North. Whereas the NFC kind of has either your haves or your have-nots. Um, the NFC East, you know, or NFC Least uh, that we've already touched on is doesn't have anybody even with a 500 record. The North has the Packers and the Surprising Bears at 3-0. and But the biggest surprise probably is the NFC West, where everyone is at least above 500 at the moment. And the Cards and the Rams are still looking at themselves wondering how they're not. 100% perfect so I think we call that the start of the season that would going to be a very competitive division um, I know Brian you weren't as convinced on the cards but they've certainly proved there may be more a contender than the pretender albeit a bad loss against the Lions this week um, the Cardinals the we are progressing in, as you can see and I think you to were
1: correct in saying that they will come on leaps and bounds for the season but they're still that type of team that having won the first two games all of a sudden the expectations are on the cards and Killed myself, I picked them as the banker last week, that that's the kind of letdown game that comes with a team that's coming on well, getting better, but just haven't reached the stage yet where they're going to be a real pretender in the division. It's a bad one because they the 3-0. It's a really competitive division. They should be winning that game. But compared to the Lions, they should have won in week one against the Bears. And um, the Lions are the Lions, and sometimes they just tend to put out these nice wins and... Fair play to Stafford. He drove them down at the end and it was a kick the green winning field goal.
0: Absolutely. And look, um, let's turn our attention from the past, though. Let's We've learned from our history. Let's look to the future and create our time machine like HG Wells wanted us to do and see what's coming up in week four. So after this week, guys, we will officially be 25% of the way through the 2020 NFL season. We start with a wonderful game on Thursday night. Uh, the Broncos at the New York Jets, which you can be damn sure I won't be staying up for. Um, Brian, how do you see that one going and what's your pick for the game? I think it's just a damn, Mark. It's not the kind of game you really
1: have too much engagement in terms of staying up. It's one for the highlight show. It's very hard to know because the Broncos are playing with a backup quarterback and they have lost so many players as well to injury. I'm going to go with the Jets. Um, I self-destructed last week but they did start the game in, in Indianapolis reasonably well with a touchdown and look they were never going to win the game but they did kind of hang around for a little while until Sam Darnold decided to, start to throw pick sixes across the board they're two and a half point underdogs so they're getting two and a half points they're at home i will pick the Jets to win
2: yeah I, to be honest I think this is a game that can be it depends on whether or not the Broncos can protect their quarterback and if they can I expect Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy to perform well for them. So I'm going to go with the Broncos for this one. And to
0: be honest, I'm going for the Broncos. I think the Jets and the Giants are in that, that race for Trevor Lawrence at this stage. And Man, Mel, uh, Melvin
1: Gordon is another player that's fallen into the injury injury category there in Denver. Yeah. So he's gone. He's gone oh, there as well. So, yeah, it's, sure. that's, it's, that's only coming the last day or two.
0: Yeah, they're, not, they're two not great teams, but I'll, I'll go with the Broncos. I just really can't pick the Jets to do anything other than perform. Um We then turn our attention to the Sunday games, guys. Indy uh, are going to Chicago. Um, like we've alluded to, Chicago there three 3-0. Bit of a surprise, but they somehow piece three wins together. Indy aren't doing bad. Two and one behind uh, Phillip Rivers after an open-day loss. Um, just one behind the Titans who are leading the way in the AFC South. Uh, Brian can you give us the line on this one Give us your initial thoughts
1: Yeah the Bears are at home And I think this is actually a bit of a surprise They're two and a half points Underdogs So they're getting two and a half points The Coles are just under um, a field goal favourites I'm picking the Bears um, I'm going to run with the, the Falls Train for for a week or two And it's more so because I'm not trusting of Rivers And that Colts offensive line To keep them Well the Colts offensive line is very good But can they protect Rivers I'm going to pick the Bears because they're at home and I think there's a bit of a buzz about them on the fact that they've come back in two games so far, albeit with different quarterbacks. So, Bears for me.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bears on this one as well with Nick Foles back in the, the, the driving seat. But I'm also going to go with the overs on this game, which I think at the moment is about 45 points. Um, and I think it's a really, really good overs bet So I think after last week's performance, it could be a high-scoring game for both teams.
0: Yeah, and that actually probably has a story through three weeks as well. The amount of points being scored over bets have been coming in left-right and centre across the NFL. So, great call out there, Gordo. Um, for me, the Bears have beaten three poor teams, some in quite dramatic fashion. When you consider who they've been today, nobody jumps off the page or excites you. But, yeah, let's screw it, let's do it. You know, shoot, toot, toot and all that. Let's get aboard the foals train and uh, see see what magic he can weave. Um, so I'll go with Chicago with the points as well um, this game sounds so poor in principle it feels like it should be on Thursday night but the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to the Cincinnati Bengals who uh, eked out their uh, first half win or their tie under the Joe Burrow regime um, first non-loss I think that's the nicest way we can say it uh, about it um, the Jags you know a bit surprising start under Minshew but they're 1-2 and two. they're not a great team guys just give me the pick on this one
2: I'm going with the Bengals to get their first win uh, and I'm going with Joe, B- Joe Burrows I think they're at minus three Brian correct me on that but uh, or sorry the Jags are at minus three I think but I'm going to go with the Bengals either way Joe Burrows to get his first win for the Bengals against the Jags you
1: got it right to first time, Gordon yeah the Bengals are minus three point favorites um, yeah I've seen enough about the Bengals over the first few weeks they've, they've kept in the games and
0: seem to be progressing well with Burrows so yeah I'm going to give them the win yeah I think the Bengals will win the game it's really annoying when we agree. I'm, a, I'm with you. I've I've ranked the Bengals better than the Jags, and I'll take them um, even minus three. Um, next game, guys. Sometimes the Browns have been known as the factory of sadness. As I alluded to earlier, they are, in fact, two and one. They do have a winning record. The Dallas Cowboys, however, should never be bet on, favorited, fancied, looked upon, supported, or trusted in any way, shape, or form. Because despite all their ups and downs, they are one and two. And that one was an extremely fortunate win against the Atlanta Falcons. They came crashing down to earth again this weekend. Cleveland are going to the Cowboys. How do you see that one going? Um, tricky enough, game, say. Yeah, the Browns have
1: done well the past two weeks. The Cowboys are a bit up and down. They had an amazing comeback in week, week two. And they were not too far off winning in Seattle. I'll go with the Cowboys. Um, the line is four and a half points, which I think is very fair when they had the same line against the Falcons. Didn't cover. But um, no, I'm, I'm going to pick uh, the Cowboys. But I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns won, but I think just the fact that they're at home, Cowboys will win by a touch now.
2: Yeah, I haven't been uh, the biggest Cowboys supporter uh, this season and it's not going to change now. I'm going to go with the Browns at plus four and a half uh, and I think they're going to win. I think it'll be a close game. Again, I think it'll be a really, really high-scoring game. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with the Browns to get a win against the Cowboys.
0: Don't trust any of them. Don't let me put any money near this game in any way, shape, manner or form. I will go with the Browns while holding my nose and generally being fearful for my life. <laughs> the, uh, line is, the
1: line is 55.5 points. I'm actually, I'd be sorry to go under in that game. Um, I think that's a big, big shout to get over that number. I'm not sure if the Browns can
0: can keep up with the Cowboys if it got into it. Kind of a... yeah. Do you know what that smacks of, though? It smacks that the bookies don't trust the Dallas defense in many yeah. ways. They don't just... trust either of them, by the looks of Well, they don't trust either. That's true. But um, the Cowboys defense has certainly been challenged. Yeah. Um, Talking about challenge defences, as we alluded to, the New Orleans Saints are going to the Detroit Lions this weekend. Gents from my 2 cents on this, the Saints will bounce back. They've played three really good teams. And God knows the Lions are not a really good team. Yes, they got their first win. But frankly, this is a bit like the Colts-Jets game for me this week. You could put this line at minus 12 on the Saints, and I'd be quite happy with it um, because I really think this is going to be a blowout across the board.
2: Oh, this is, this is another one of those always bet the overs sort of bets. Um, the overs for this game is 54 points. Uh, I'm on the Saints. Both teams need to win. Both defences are not performing well. So I'm going to go to Saints, but I'm going to be putting a nice bit of money on the overs for this one at 54 points.
1: Saints are only minus four points, which is a bit of a surprise. I would have thought that would be a touchdown. Uh, yeah, I agree. So I'm going to pick the Saints. And I don't think the Saints will win by... I don't think it'll be a blowout. Like you think, Mark, I think the Lions will hang around. Certainly think the Saints would have enough to win by at least a touchdown, covered a spread for four points, Seems very low to me.
0: Yeah, and the, well the one thing is that apparently Michael Thomas um, is wants to play and is showing progress in his return for injury. If he's declared fit to play, I think that line will push out very quickly. So um, I'd get on it, to be honest, at four and a half myself at the moment. Um Pittsburgh then, the Steelers, Gordo. Uh, This is going to be a battle of the undefeated. The 3-0 Pittsburgh Steelers go to take on the 3-0 Tennessee Titans.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really tough one. And I think it's – because, again, we spoke about the defense for the uh, Steelers. That's what's winning the games at the moment. If you look at last week's performance, Big Ben played okay. The offense wasn't amazing in terms of receiving threats as well. There's nobody that really stood out, but the defense is performing – I think this is going to be a very close game. The Titans haven't been performing as well as we thought they would this season. So I'm going to go with the old steelers to keep the winning uh, uh, train going and go to 4-0. The
1: Titans, um, yeah, they're 3-0, and maybe they haven't been as good as we expected. They've won their three games by an average of six six points. And I expect it to be tight again. The Titans are actually underdogs. They're getting a point and a half. They're at home. Now I'm going to pick the Titans. I think they'll just have enough to win. And I certainly think the fact that they're
0: underdogs will take the point and a half and run with the Titans. You're a braver man than I am. I'll take the Steelers, flaws and all, as they've gone this season. Um, I ultimately trust Big Ben more than I trust Tannehill. And yes, Derek Henry is better than James Conner, but Big Ben multiplies multiplies by... uh, Tannehill and indeed Juju um more than what the Titans can roll out there with Corey Davis I think so, Henry Henry's
1: been quiet reasonably quiet in the first two games when he started to get his mojo back on Sunday in Minnesota
0: and if he does, I he I does he, that on Sunday he looked really dangerous on Sunday actually it was almost that that piece where you're expecting uh, another 99 yarder as he famously rumbled for before he was definitely uh, feeling it but no it's sealers for me to keep undefeated at the moment um the Seahawks, then, um, who are another undefeated team, uh, travel cross-country. Literally, the furthest journey that you can do between two NFL teams is the Seattle Seahawks going to, hard, uh, to the Miami Dolphins. Um, I was going to say Hard Rock Stadium, but sorry. Um, but they go down to the Miami Dolphins in the 6 o'clock game. Again, an early 1 p.m. game for a West Coast team, but surely the Hawks are going to have far too much for the Dolphins.
2: I, I can't understand the handicap for this game. In, it's minus six and a half um, for the Seahawks, which I'm kind of thinking is very generous um, for the Seahawks based on the amount of points they're scoring at the moment. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks for this and to cover it very easily. I was annoyed with
1: myself last week because I've been high on the Dolphins. I felt they played really well against the Bills and only lost by a field goal. And I expect them to do really well at the start of the season. And I'm going to take the Dolphins with the points. I'm not sure if they'll win the game. I don't think they'll win the game, but I think it'll be another ding-dong type game because the Seahawks' defence has just not showed up this year. And I think his magic is in that period where it's still early in the season and he's playing well. I think it'll be a, a high-scoring, close game. The over is 54.5. Gee, man, it's like college overs now on some of these games. But um, I'll take the Dolphins with the points, but I'm not, I don't think they'll win. But I
0: I think six and a half is a big spread, actually. So Seahawks are going to win. Seahawks are going to win by at least 10 points. It's not even going to be close. Exactly. All right. Um, moving on, gents. Uh, this is a tale of the, uh, the the young and the restless against the old and the listless. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, by, led by uh, Mr. Herbert, are going in to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by eponymous Tom Brady. Um, to me guys this is as I said it's very much new versus old but Tampa Bay just have a more rounded team their defense for at least most of the game started to stand up last week and you started to see little vestiges of clicking on offense although they're nowhere near anything on full bore uh, as of yet um, for me the Chargers won't keep up and the Bucks should in my mind win this quite comfortably even though I like the Chargers overall as a team and what Anthony Lynn has done there this is Tampa Bay all the way.
1: I think this is going to be a blowout game. I think the Bucs char- I, I think the Bucks will win very comfortably. I, t- I said last week. We could say that the Chargers last week was that second week window for a, for a rookie quarterback and Herbert didn't play as well as he did against the Chiefs. And uh, I can't see how, as you said, he'd be able to keep up that Bucks offense that looked really good on Sunday. And I think the Bucs will win very comfortably. I'd say two touchdowns or more.
2: Yeah, I'm with the Bucs on this. I think Brady put in a serious performance last week. He showed the quality that he is. And then also the Bucs defense is ranked at the moment in the top five. So, like I I just think Herbert's going to have another tough day. But I do think they should stick with him. I don't think there's any update on Tyrod Taylor yet. And I go with the Bucs minus seven and a half.
0: So, we're all agreed on that one. I think we might agree on the next one as well. The Baltimore Ravens wanting to bounce back after – their loss against the Kansas City Chiefs surely won't throw for less than 100 yards like they did on Monday night uh, with the Chiefs really locking down their aerial attack by locking down Mark Andrews. Um, certainly, I can't see the Washington football team having the same defensive weapons to try and lock them down, although Washington have surprised a few. Uh, they currently lead the way in the NFC East, not saying much, at one and two with the Cowboys. Um, again, I'll go first on this one, guys. Um Quite comfortable for me, the Baltimore are going to jump back with uh, aggression and power and dominate the the Washington football team.
2: Yeah, you, you hate being Washington, having to face the Baltimore Ravens after uh, a loss against the Kansas City Chiefs. Also, looks like Chase Young apparently is doubtful for this game with a groin injury, so if that's the case, they're real only a weapon on defense is gone, and I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a field day. Don't know what the overs is for this one, but yeah, I'm backing Baltimore Ravens, easy win.
1: Yeah, there's no lineage yet because the Ravens played last night, so it hasn't been updated. But yeah, to your point, um, I can't see any other than the Ravens winning country. And I think the line will probably start out about 13. Definitely think they'll win by two touchdowns or more. And I've even noticed some of the media in Washington are already getting them. Haskins back, because he played so well in week one and that rallying half time speech that he's regressed to what they saw last year when he came mm-hmm. in. And they're not happy with his performances. So how long before they kind of Heroic Alex Smith gets his chance again after such a remarkable recovery from injury. But just to the point, Ravens, Ravens all day. Two touchdowns or more, definitely.
0: Yeah, and we're all agreed on that one. And then, I um, look my preseason kind of sleeperish pick: uh, the Arizona Cardinals, coming back after their loss against the Lions at the weekend. They go to the Carolina Panthers, who. Um, but in fairness, even with Run-CMC's injury, have probably been more competitive than we probably would have given them credit for at the start of the season uh, and acquitted themselves reasonably well so far. Um, Brian, maybe you to this one. Tell us the line and how you see it unfolding. Panthers are home getting three and a half points. Um, Panthers
1: in week one, as you said, very lucky not to beat the Raiders. Um, one, played well, reasonably well in Tampa in week two. And then one on Sunday in in, San Diego, in sorry in... Los Angeles. Um, I actually grew up doing reasonably well and um, you've got three or four running backs there that's going to take up the slack with McCaffrey gone and I'm, <laughs> I'm going against the Cardinals this week I'm picking the Panthers to win the game
2: Yeah I'm really struggling with this one because I think Kyler Murray just had one of those games three interceptions last week and I was listening to around the NFL podcast as well and they actually just don't even think he's that good a quarterback they think he's yeah. a good runner but, but he's not a good passer and it was very interesting to hear them go on about it but I don't know. I just think with uh, Hopkins and everyone that they have on the wide receiver side, I'm going to stick with the uh, Arizona Cardinals for this game, and I'm going to back them. You know, it's the one thing about Kyler Murray. because
0: I have heard that that suggestion before about him. But you have to realize, I mean, like with Mahomes, like Mahomes last night did a flick with his right hand that dropped in the red basket 50 yards away. Murray isn't quite got that arm capability, but he's not usual quarterback material. But yeah. the ball gets to the right place every time. He is a very talented quarterback, great decision-making. He is going to be a superstar. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be Brian's kryptonite this season, and he's going to consistently pick wrong against them. I'm all in on the Kyler aeroplane, zooming in to take over at the Panthers, and they'll take it with, even with a couple of points in favor of the Panthers. So I'm right on the Cardinals on this one. Um, rounding out the 6 p.m. games then, um, gents – This is the the tale of disappointment. I mean, we talk about a tale of two cities by Dickens. This is the tale of two cities just vestiging and languishing in disappointment in 2020. The 0-3 Minnesota Vikings are going to the 0-3 Houston Texans. Um, If their seasons aren't already over at the moment, it definitely will be for one team after this week. Brian, is there any hope for either of them? I think
1: there's more hope for the... The Texans, more so than the Vikings. Um, Texans actually played reasonably well last weekend against the Steelers. And they seem to be moving in, albeit three really difficult games to start the season. Chiefs, Ravens, and then Steelers. And it doesn't get any more difficult than that. But I do think, saw enough out on the last weekend, I think that they will win this game. They're They're home minus three and a half points. I think they'll win. I think they'll win. I think they'll win well. I think they'll win by at least ten points.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of it's one of these games. I, I think Texans they've had the toughest opening season schedule to date and just the Vikings have I've not been high on the Vikings at all. You guys were talking about them as playoff contenders at the start of the year and massive Kirk Cousins fans, which was interesting to see. But now I think Houston Texans come out and they get an easy win. So I think they've got a lot to prove after three three tough opening games.
0: Um, some people have had tough times, obviously, during COVID, guys. Some people have lost their jobs. Some people have kind of had to start new careers. If you're ever looking, however, for how can you be successful in your career, I just say look at Kirk Cousins' agent, who has probably pulled off some of the greatest work uh, ever known to mankind. He still sits with the only multi-year fully guaranteed contract in NFL history. Um, and the Minnesota Vikings are tied to him for good or bad, at least through this year. Um, I The Vikings are like my Cardinals for Brian, I think, this year. I Last two weeks, I've said, no, they're going to bounce back. And each, actually, last week, I heavily favoured them, thinking that 0-2 oh, season online, they were going to suddenly put it together. And they did in parts, but just not good enough to beat the Titans. Um I'm going to go with the Texans, mainly because I fall, can't trust the Vikings anymore. But God only knows, this is the week now. Cousins throws for 400 yards, Cook runs for 200, and they just demolish them. So um, my cynicism is bet against me because you'll probably win, but I'll go with the Texans as well. Um, the late games then on Sunday night, uh, gents, the Giants are at the Rams going cross-country over to Los Angeles. For them, uh, the Patriots go to the Kansas City. The Bills go to Las Vegas, which could be really interesting. The very late game is the Eagles at the 49ers. Taking them in turn, Gordo? Uh,
2: I think with the Rams-Giants, how the Rams are only minus 13.5 is beyond me, considering the Giants' performance against San Francisco 49ers. I like bank on that one. That's that's my banker for the week is stick, stick it on the Rams. Goff is one of the top five quarterbacks in the PFF ratings at the moment. Uh, their offense is on fire, so I'm going to go with the uh, the Rams for an easy win there. Um,
1: Rams to cover the handicap. It's it's only 13 because the Giants played reasonably well the first two weeks and the Rams' defence gave up a lot of points last week. That's, But
0: I think they'll cover the handicap, yeah. So the Rams to win, but the Giants to cover? No, no, no.
1: I think the Rams will cover as well.
0: Okay, all right. I was just confused there for a second. No, the Rams will cover. They'll win that quite comfortably, I think. Probably 39 or something like that of that nature. Danny That's, Dine is... Only cashing in pennies at the moment, Brian. He may he could be this by the end of the season. That's true. That's true. Um, and then the Pats at the, the, the Chiefs, um, look, they say um, arguably you control the Chiefs with a power running game to drain the clock and keep them off the pitch and keep their high-powered offense off the pitch. Well, didn't really work well for the Baltimore Ravens last week. And the Patriots, ladies and gents, if you didn't realize it before, they are a power rushing team at this stage. Last weekend, seven different players rushed the football. Uh, at least Cam Newton didn't lead the rushing stats for a change. Um, but that's what they're going to live and die on. And frankly, the Chiefs are going to walk that game because the Patriots' defense won't be able to handle them. So I think the line—the line I saw was at about six and a half. I think the Chiefs will comfortably cover, and that's a two-touchdown game.
1: It was six and a half, jumped up to seven. So give or take, it's seven at the moment. put in. Um... I agree with you, Mark. I don't see how the pages can keep up that offense. And um, you may the running game may hold them off the field for a period of time, but I'd be kind of siding on the under on that game. But I think Chiefs will win by 10 14 points.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be another one where Cam Newton is going to try his best. It's going to be, as you say, a power rushing game for them, but I can't see the. The uh, the New England Patriots being able to do it, so I think the Chiefs get, get an easy win, probably covered by about ten points is what I'm thinking at the moment based on last week's performance. So hopefully you will sound as uh, upset as Brian just did there a minute ago talking about the Giants uh, and next week when we're talking about this game. Uh, I won't be
0: as upset as the Brian Gordo because at least the Patriots already have two more wins than the, the Giants will have. Um, so we may we may not get
1: two two wins at all this season. That's, that's, <laughs> it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> And then I'll be be jumping on the uh, the, the Lawrence uh, love train.
0: I'm giving it two more weeks before we hear, we're talking about trains earlier on. I think it will be two more weeks before we hear the tanking for Trevor, signs and love hearts from Brian, to be honest with you. Love hearts,
2: we get got a tattoo? (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, Trevor Lawrence, the Giants, and Brian's getting a tattoo next season. He's He's
1: He's the next Mahomes, isn't he?
0: Hey, we heard that about you for Daniel Jones last week. Oh, no, I never said that. Neil, come on. Bringing it back, the next uh, well, the next love child of Gordon Bridgefield was definitely Josh Allen earlier on, and Allen is bringing the Bills into the Raiders. Raiders surprisingly were pretty easily handled by the Patriots the weekend. They really, they really didn't show up to be to be quite honest uh, with you. Uh, obviously, returning to the scene of the, uh, the the famous snow game, or the you know game famously decided on a correct interpretation of a rule um, game for them. Um, but uh, you know they go back home to Vegas again, regardless of line. And I am quite high on what Chucky's doing with the Raiders. Generally, I think the Bills have enough to handle this. Um, so I, I I'd be all on on the Bills on on this one. Um, even though the Raiders are at home and have been playing well at the start of the season,
2: yeah, I'm kind of like this is one of those games. that's minus three at the moment for the Bills, and it's it's a tough game because I think with the Raiders, the way they're performing in offense, they're going to score, and the run offense as well. In particular, with Chucky has been phenomenal for the Raiders today. Jacobs didn't have the greatest game last week, but I think he'll come back uh, for this week. I'm going to stick with the Bills. Um, I'm I just think Josh Allen is a superstar at the moment for what he's doing. Uh, in terms of the offence there and he's very poised so I'm going to go with them to cover the, the handicap at minus three. This is this is a, a letdown game for the
1: Bills. I think uh, the Raiders are home getting three, someone has to pick the Raiders, you know. You guys are the ones that are hiring them all the time. Um, Raiders are getting three points at home back in Vegas. Bills going across to the West Coast. I think after such a big game at the end, I see a letdown game for the Bills. I think the Raiders will win, comfortably.
0: I think
2: I, comfortably. Wow! But on, on the Raiders, I think friend, friend of the podcast Stephen O'Rourke, uh, who's a massive NFL, uh, uh, a Las Vegas Raiders fan, watches Twitter feed from last week for the first few scores when the Raiders went up. He was like, "That's why. That's why we have Chucky. That's why we're doing well." And next thing, it just went down, down a quick steep hill after that. Uh, but yeah, no, I think if someone has to pick the Raiders, but I think it's the Bills every day. I just think they're doing really well at the moment. We will see. I can see the letdown
0: game, though, as well. I mean, I am on the Bills, and that's my pick, but I, I see where Brian's going with it. So we will see. Now, a couple of movies to, to finish off um, more than anything. Um, Henry Hill, if you remember from Goodfellas, went into the witness relocation program in the US. Um, Every single member of the 53 starting uh, players for the Philadelphia Eagles have gone into the witness relocation program to save them from Philadelphians. And it's probably a good thing that they're getting out of state next weekend to play San Francisco uh, on the late game on Sunday night. Um, Gents, I mean, like, at least they're not 0-3. is about as nice as you can
2: say about the Eagles at the moment. Like they're plus they're plus six and a half against the San Francisco Forty ers who have Nick Mullins at quarterback, are missing all the starters that we've gone through for the last two weeks. Yes, they hammered the Giants there at the weekend. Not to bring it up again for Brian, but like I think it just says it all about what people think about Wentz and the, the Eagles at the moment to be plus six and a half. I, I, I'm going to go with the Eagles. I just think I don't see Nick Mullins doing a second week in a row. Um, and I think, I don't know, it'll just be interesting. I think the Eagles will do something on offense. It may not be Wentz, but it'll be someone else that'll carry them. So I'm going to go with the Eagles to, to probably get the win uh, for this game.
1: Yeah, we made a mistake last week. because we, we said that the 49ers went back to the West Coast and traveled back over. They actually didn't. They stayed on the East Coast. But we were corrected by a good friend of the podcast who was a 49ers fan. Um, 49ers for me, um, I think Mullen's actually... You know, he's never going to challenge uh, Garoppolo for quarterback, but I think two years on from when he started playing for him, he seems a lot more efficient as a quarterback. And I think they could use him to win a couple of games before all the players come back from injury. And they may get Kittle back this week, so I think they'll be glad to be back playing in, in Clara Lara, as I like to call it, and uh, the 49ers will win. Whether they cover, I'm not sure, but I think they'll definitely win the game.
0: As I have many friends in Santa Clara, uh, Brian, I think the analogy to Clara Lara is going to slightly <laughs> disturb them. Or I might have to explain exactly. It's like this uh, prestigious place uh, in Ireland of mythical quality. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just mentioned about the Bills and the potential letdown game. I mean, teams now have a full game film of the 49ers and how they're adapting without Kittle, without Mozart, without all their injuries, without Garoppolo. Um and the Eagles, they're reasonably well coached. So I, I feel that there will be opportunities for them to exploit against them. And sorry, against the 49ers who are missing some key starters on the D-line as well, of course, for the entire season now. in, in um, um, the various uh, Nick Bosa, et cetera, um, and Solomon Thomas, who they've lost. So I think it's very possible the Eagles could bounce back. It's very possible they take advantage of the 49ers in a bit of a letdown week but possible doesn't make reality. And I still can't force myself to bet on the Eagles this season. Um, possibly ever, I think, um, but definitely not this week. And the 49ers are continue going to grind out wins. They continue going to be in that very competitive race in the NFC West, and they can't afford any letdown games. So to me, still on the 49ers, um, uh, even uh, taking the points, taking the handicap. Um And then we finish, as I said, on another movie. On Monday night, again, you can imagine when the schedule was made, this sounded like a good game. Right now, it sounds like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, You know, it's a Freddy special or it's a Jason special. The Atlanta Falcons, with everything that has gone on with them in the last two weeks, are going to go into the Green Bay Packers, who, as we alluded to, have had a very, very efficient offense with new weapons coming up and a great running game um, being driven by Aaron Jones as well, who finally seems to be a great complement to Rodgers, the Packers have been crying out for. Um, Jens, I actually feel unless the the Falcons were up 35-zip with about five minutes to go, there ain't a hope they're winning this game. And even if they're up 35-zip with five minutes to go, if I'm a Falcons fan, I'd still be nervous watching this game, to be honest with you. Uh, That's how little trust I have in them right now. Is there any hope of redemption for them?
2: I think the only thing that's kind of in the Falcons' favor is that they score so many points, as you say, on offense. And Matt Ryan has such a good passer rating at the moment. Like the the, the handicap is minus six and a half for the Packers. Like on any given day, you would normally say, yeah, the Packers cover that easy enough. But I do think with the Falcons, the way they're scoring, it'll be a close game. But I do think the Packers win. I'm not sure if I give the Packers the minus six and a half. I'm half. I'm I'm tempted to take the Falcons a plus six and a half in this game um, with, the, with the Packers to get a win. But, yeah, I think the Packers are getting the win either way.
1: Well, Mark, you said it's been a bit of a nightmare for them. And, you know, you're referring to bad feelings. But in fairness, if you've watched the Falcons and you don't have any feelings for them, you'd probably enjoyed their games because they've been quite entertaining the first three weeks. Um, I'd be more bullish on the Packers than to, to cover the handicap i certainly think they'll win by two touchdowns but I do think the Falcons will be in the game probably to the second half I think it'll, just what you touched on Gordon, but the fact that their offence is still very good and explosive I can see them having a similar game to when the Lions went to Lambo two weeks ago and they'll hang around they'll score some points they may be in the lead towards half time but inevitably come the fourth quarter the Packers will have put up 40 points on this defence and they'll probably win by 40 to 20 trees, something
0: along those lines, and covered a handicap. Oh, and, and don't get me wrong, Brian, horror films are very, very enjoyable, and this will still be very enjoyable, but I fully see it as being a slasher pick with the Atlanta Falcons being the dead body, being garroted and sliced to death by the, um, you know, nemesis. And even if the Falcons think they've killed the bad guy, we're talking about a team that's given up two massive comebacks against one of the kings of the comeback in Aaron Rodgers. So... There's no way the Falcons are winning this game, in my mind. Um, yeah, TM, soon to be proven wrong, I'm sure. But there is zero chance, and I will take the Packers' um, handicap every day of the week. Again, you could push this out to two touchdowns. I think the Falcons could be competitive, but I really think this is the spiral down, and Dan Quinn's going to be gone before the eighth game of the season. I was just going to say,
1: I don't even think it would be the eighth game. I think it would be five or six, but it certainly won't be after this week because whether the Falcons are playing well and have had won those two games, this is always going to be a really tough game. And I just don't think many people would select him to win either way. But in the same team, if he doesn't get a couple of wins soon, you won't have a situation like last year where uh, Arthur Blank has given him the second half of the season to, you know, find a few wins to save his job. I think he'll be gone. He'll be gone come uh, October bank holiday weekend for us.
0: There you go. So um you can take your money and put it on... Dan Quinn maybe to be the first firing of the NFL season. Uh, But Gordo, Brian, what other bets should people maybe consider this weekend in terms of where you're looking at putting your money um, on this particular game week?
2: Yeah, well, I think uh, we've had another successful week with Brian O'Leary at the helm of all the betting tips. So uh, as we've mentioned last few weeks, we've teamed up with racingbuddy.ie and all of Brian's tips have been shared across their social platform. So, Every week to date we've been going through the bets and we've been giving a banker, a treble and a couple of nice touchdown bets which uh, Brian has been winning quite a lot of money on uh, and he's gracing us now with uh, week fours, tips and tricks. So Brian, banker bet, what are we going with? Where are we sticking the house? Yeah, we may have
1: been winning a few quid on the you know, offside but unfortunately it didn't happen, which we put up last week. didn't didn't uh, arrive at the card to let us down. But um, the nap this week... I hate to say it, but I'm going to pick the Rams. It's a big spread, 13 points, but I don't see how the Giants go into LA and come out of the game with any hope of winning. And, and certainly don't think they will cover. But the way the Rams have played, could have easily have got that win against the Bills last week. The Rams to cover the 13 points, and I think if people hang on till Saturday, Sunday, they may even get 12 down to 11 and a half because usually by the weekend the lines adjust. So the Rams to cover oh. the handicap as the banker.
2: How, how tough was that for you to, to get out?
1: Horrible. Right, well, I, I won't bet it myself. I'll just call it the banker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, all right, perfect. And then moving on to the treble, what what are we looking at?
1: Trevor bet will be the Saints to cover, minus four. I think the Buccaneers, minus seven and a half. And then the last one, we haven't got a line yet, but I'm expecting it to be around 12 and a half, 13, and it'll be the Baltimore Ravens to went to Washington. So it'll be the Ravens to cover the Buccaneers to cover, and the Saints to cover in the treble. And then in terms of the touchdown bet, you can't get away from the two boys that looked after us last weekend. Josh Allen, obviously, I don't think they'll win, will score a touchdown in Las Vegas. And Colin Murray again, sure, you have to keep it the, the hot hand, scored a touchdown the weekend. He'll score again in Carolina against the uh, the Panthers. Double up That's three. an issue. Inter- no prices yet.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting treble bet, and to confirm, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens are at minus thirteen and a half. Because as we were recording, so I was paying attention, lads, but I put my own little treble on, and I pretty much did what Brian went. But there, I went with the Ravens minus thirteen and a half, uh, the Bucks minus seven and a half. But I actually stuck your banker in, uh, Brian, at, with the Rams at minus twelve and a half. Um, uh, for my for my treble, but I'll I'll do another one now to add in uh, the Saints at minus four. But yeah, some good bets there going into Week Four and. As we say, uh, we've teamed up again with RacingBuddy.ie, so follow all their social channels and you'll see all of his bets.
0: Thanks, Gordon. thanks to our friends at HorseRacingBuddy.ie as well. Um, Gents, uh, it's always nice to see when Gordon just does what Brian tells him to do as well. That that tends to work out well for Goulden, so that's always a pleasure. Um, gents, it's another week in the books. Um, some things don't change. The Falcons continue to let us down. Some things do change. The Chicago Bears somehow are undefeated. Um, but for me still, it's Kansas City or bust. Patrick Mahomes proved the case and proved the, his uh, MVP case and control of this league once again. Um, until next week we'll see how it all flushes out in week four Um, thank you very much for your time and uh, we'll talk to you soon again on the Irish NFL podcast but for me it's goodbye and from the guys see you soon thank you